We are moving into the age of curation. What does that mean? Find out in a minute because it's time. You're listening to the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Hey, heroes, my name is Tom Pounder, and this is the Church Digital Sidekick Podcast. This is the podcast where I bring on ministry leaders and we talk about how you can do ministry more effectively in this very digital and online world. And today I've got my friend Barbara Carnino in. She is a church communication background expert. She runs her own company, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But she talks about today how we have been in this age of engagement for a really long time in communications. Well, now we're into this age of curation. We're talking about how we can make that shift as a church and what we can do to best reach people and encourage them based on what our church's mission and values are. So it's a great conversation, and I know that, if again, if you're in church communications, if you're living in this digital world, this is the perfect conversation for you to hear right now. So without any further ado, let's get an interview with Barbara. All right, with me right now is Barbara Carnero. Barbara, how are you? Hey, Tom, I'm good. It's good to see you. I think the last time we saw each other was at Exponential. Was that correct? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you're one of my online friends that I've actually met in person. And so that was, was that this past year or two years ago? Or... Both. We met this year and last year. Oh, okay, good. good, good. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, again, I love running into online people, people that I've met originally online in person. So it's always right. a great thing for me. And I appreciate you being on my podcast uh, today. Uh, Barbara, uh, as we're getting uh, just started here, uh, just give people a quick little update on who you are and what you do, and, and then we'll get into how you got into it. Sounds good. Well, um, my happy place is branding, and I know that when you hear that, most likely you think about logos and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, we, although that is true, it's a piece of what we do, but uh, in the agency that I own, we're very focused on communications. And so I often call myself, you know, a church communication mentor uh, or things like that, because I find that, you know, trying to understand um, what makes you, you, like that part about branding is basically comes down to like very, very um, essential communication things about how humans communicate. And so my uh, agency, basically we do branding and communications. I couldn't really figure out what name to use. So I'm like, Hey, I know what people will think. They will think we do logos and newsletters and that's okay. <laughs> it is a part of what we do. We do logos and we do newsletters, but um, I think, I think of us as more of like a super strategic, like we like to take things super, super, super deep. Uh, and so I haven't figured out a better name for it. So I'm just going to go with what makes sense for people. We are, you know, I own Word Revolution. It's an agency for churches. We work specifically with churches. And um, yeah, we move pixels around and focus on the language. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been doing this? How long have you owned your own company? Oh, God. So 22 years now. But I know that that really ages me like super, super fast. So <laughs> let's just pretend I started when I was 10. And uh, yeah, it's been a while. So I started first as an agency owner and uh, it wasn't until about 12 years ago when I came to faith that I started working with churches and actually um, I changed the name of my agency uh, to what, what is now called Ward Revolution. So, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you look great because I got all this gray hair here. <laughs> And so you don't have any gray hairs. So you are significantly well, younger than me. So that, you we know, cover it well. We cover it well. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Well, I will, wait, real quick before we get into the topic. Yeah. Did you used to live in Maryland? Is that where you used to live? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we lived in Maryland for 10 years, but um, I've spent uh, 10 years in different con continents, actually. I was born in Brazil. And so the first decade of my life was in, in, in Brazil. The second decade was in Portugal. My mom is Portuguese, so I was raised there. Oh, wow. And then third decade, I went back to Latin America and I was in Chile and Argentina and Brazil. And then the fourth decade in the US. So I told my husband, it's time to move. <laughs> We're supposed to move somewhere because it's been more than a decade here. So yeah. <laughs> We're late. We're behind. <laughs> How many different languages do you speak? I speak three. So English is actually my third language, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that, yeah. That's very cool. Okay, so well, we could probably talk about a lot of different stuff. But today I want to talk about uh, something that you and I were kind of bouncing around a little bit uh, that you had been noticing recently that uh, we are moving away from the age of engagement yeah. to the age of curation okay so i want to talk about that again what the, what does that look like but in order to really kind of get into it let's talk about the age of engagement what right. what was that what did that look like and then how are we moving away from it yeah so you know before engagement we actually had the age of information everybody knows about it right so suddenly everything is exploded and everything is in the internet and you can find everything so just the idea of like, okay, I can find something online without having to go to a book, an encyclopedia or asking somebody. So that like at your fingertip access to information created a different way that we interact with each other and also with technology. Well, then we move to, and, and, and at this point here, the currency is time. Like, so the, the currency that I'm spending is time, right? I'm spending time finding information. Um, and then we move into engagement. So it's the age of the social medias, right? So we're talking about like, hey, you post something, I comment. You post something, I share. Uh, you talk to me and I respond and you text and I text back later. So this type of engagement age um, created a, a few things. First, there's participation from my end, right? I'm no longer, I'm, I'm also creating with that person, right? So when they post something and I comment, I'm creating content in that post as well. And uh, uh, you probably heard all marketers talk about, oh, we need to catch their attention. The attention is the currency. And that is true. So we move from time to attention. I don't need your time spending you know, it, uh, with my materials. I need your attention. I need you to come and actually pay attention to what I'm doing. Uh, now that creates a type of engagement that is very different than what we've seen before, because now everybody wants your attention, right? Yeah. Uh, and you probably heard this thing of, uh, you know, people saying, hey, humans how, now have the uh, the attention span of a goldfish, which is seven seconds. And I know other people have proven to, you know, they've taken the time to prove that that's inaccurate. And I think what's true is that it's not like, um, you know, it's not like I don't have the attention to stay longer than seven seconds. The problem is, you're not giving me enough to keep me engaged. And mm -hmm. so I'm, 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 here's what's happening. Our brains are like, every time I go through a piece, it, it, imagine it happens on social media, right? I'm scrolling through social media, one, two, three, four, five images. Every time I see one, my brain goes, what is it? Who is it for? What do I get? And your brain is always asking these questions without you noting, okay? So it's like, what is it? Who is it for? What do I get? So imagine like your brain is constantly thinking at a capacity that you haven't had to think before. And so your brain is exhausted. 
like 100% exhausted all the time. So this is happening as you're scrolling and you're not even paying attention to how much your brain is asking those questions. Um, and so because our brains are getting exhausted, like completely burned out, exhausted, tired, uh, we're moving, we're naturally moving towards something else, which is called the age of curation. Uh, and so what I believe is happening is like no longer the currency is attention because you can capture my, you can capture my attention for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, the currency now is uh, trust. And so how amazing it is that we're actually going back to some of the most like human, you know, nature feelings, which is to trust each other, to actually trust somebody. Yes. So it's not just how I'll give you my time or I'll give you my attention. Now I'm actually giving you my trust. And so that gives me the new age that I believe we're in. New age sounded weird. The new <laughs> era that we're now in, you know, especially when you're talking to churches, they, they I mean, they'll come with, with fire after me after that one. But okay, let me rephrase. So we're now in a new era of curation. And, and here's why. Uh, we no longer have time to see all the content out there that is screaming for my attention. And now we don't even need to talk about the amount of content that AI alone is now creating, right? So just what humans are creating is enough to keep you busy for a while. So picture this, you're like, okay, all of this stuff out there on this one topic, I need to find somebody that has spent the time going through those to tell me where to start and where to go. And so we're looking for curators and um, I'm going to take you to an extreme, okay? Kids are no longer going to the store to see what products or toys they want to buy. They're looking at YouTubers and the YouTubers are even asking them, hey, what should I unbox next, right? So there's a curator for even what products I should buy. There's a curator for what I should believe. There's a curator for what I should learn. And so we all have curators. If you haven't noticed yet, there's a good chance that you have curators and there might be a good chance that you could be a curator for somebody. And so it's just like, naturally our brains are craving that and we have to go there. We're going to have to go to curation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's break this down because this is, <laughs> this is really fascinating to me. My my brain was going in like a thousand different directions. Okay, so let's start. Let's start with the the age of information real quick. I just have yeah. a random question: Is do you remember the first time you got on the internet, or the first <laughs> time you heard about the internet? Oh my gosh! And what that thought thought about? I'll give you a second to think about it. But I'll share with you mine. Again, you know, growing up, we always had the encyclopedias and you would you would get information from the encyclopedia. Exactly. And my my parents had the Encyclopedia Britannica and it was this boring old place and whatever. And I remember reading in a magazine um, and I don't remember. It was like late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there. Now, again, my gray hair and then the, <laughs> the time reference is dating me. But I remember reading about this um, Internet service called Prodigy. And it was like a hundred dollars a month. And I was, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, look at this. There's all this information right at our fingertips of the computer. And we, I was so fascinated. Obviously I didn't get it. We didn't get it. It was way too expensive. Right. But that was the first time I heard, remember hearing about the internet and whatnot. What, what was that like for yeah. you? Yeah. So we used to have this, um, a computer lab at my university. And so I, I went to college in Portugal and I remember I had a typewriter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To do my, all my reports and whatever. And I remember there was this computer lab and they may have had maybe four or six computers at that time. 
And, and it was such a thing. I remember feeling so intimidated by it. But at the same time, it was like, there's this curiosity, right? About what this thing can do. And so in the very last year I had to do my, uh, I finally gained the courage to do my work on the computer. And at some point in time, I was in that lab. I didn't even know everything that that thing could do, but it's specifically about the internet. One of my teachers sat next to me and he said, hey, I'm having issues with my email. Could you please send me an email? And I remember thinking, I don't know how to do that, but let's try. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> I had a Hotmail account back then because somebody showed me how to create one. And uh, he was spelling his email, such and such, such and such, at such and such, such and such. And I didn't know that there was an at. Oh, okay, yeah. And I actually spelled at like <laughs> and so obviously this man couldn't get his emails to work because I keep sending him the wrong thing so you know a lot you know we've come a long way obviously but I remember um I thought you you all remember the 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 browser we used to navigate what was it Netscape 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 yeah and so I thought internet was Netscape and so in some point in time, I went to another computer with a different browser and I was like, I couldn't find the internet. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, because it didn't have the little end that I was looking yeah. for. I thought that was the internet, that that thing was the internet. And so the I, I, it, it completely reshaped the way we see things. Remember, we went from no access to technology to suddenly having all sorts of, you know, like we have to remember that was a big moment for yeah for for us for society you know oh, yeah sure. okay so then we move into the age of engagement here with yes. social media what was your first social media account and then what, what what is your favorite social media account now yeah so i first created uh facebook and it's the one i have to this day mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of this is such a hard question for me because there's a love-hate relationship with facebook for me um and and here here's what i've noticed is that the platform itself sometimes can be extremely annoying and there's a lot of frustration that I can experience on a daily basis. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is a, it is a platform that has united me with, I mean, a bunch of people that I haven't been in touch with for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, it is a place where people still group. And so my hope is that we can start migrating towards other tools that can keep people together and as far as I, I, I've tried many times to move to different platforms, and I always find myself going back to where people are. Yeah. And, so, you know, within my circles, a lot of people are still on Facebook. Uh, and so I do have this, uh, you know, love-hate relationship with a platform. Um, I, I'm kind of still kind of, you know, getting my grip on Instagram. I'm on Discord, believe it or not. People say the soccer moms aren't there. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a soccer mom, but I look like one. So just know that I am on Discord, even though, you know, so I am on Discord. I'm, I'm, you know, I love, I love communities. And I think that's the thing that draws me to platform to have a community-based uh, approach is the idea of continuing to be in contact. And, you know, I like if Facebook were to cease to exist today, it would be devastating for yeah. me, even though I wish the platform wouldn't be the way it is. Uh, and so my hope is that we start migrating towards other platforms. And I think that's already started to happen with Mighty Networks and Circle. And so I'm excited about that to be able to continue to bring these communities. And I do believe that if communities eventually move out, I probably wouldn't be there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? So yeah. I'm there for the people as yeah. a platform, as a platform. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, you know, into communities. So I, I have to go back to like the slacks and the discords where people can interact and, and yeah. talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think 
that's what people are really craving for. Honestly, too. Again, I go to Facebook for family, friends, and people I want to stay in touch with. I yeah, don't yeah. do a lot of like I obviously I do some ministry aspects to it because I'm an online pastor. And so right. I'm, I'm trying to encourage people in their faith. But again, I, I find my real home in Twitter or whatever you want to call it, X, Twitter, whatever it is now. Yes. <laughs> um, but but where I see this age of engagement, where I'm, re it's really draining on me. And I, that's where it really made a lot of sense when you were talking to me about this, is that I see people always trying to grab my attention yeah. and, and they're not trusted people. Exactly. Like they're, they're not they're not people I know. And so one of the things I'm always telling my daughters, because I have four daughters of my own, um, is that if they tell me something that they saw on social media, uh, and it's some outrageous thing, I'm like, what's the source? We always have to go back to the source and check it because just because someone says it on social media doesn't mean it's true. They're really exactly. trying to get eyeballs. They're trying to get clicks. They're trying to get you to engage again, in this era of engagement, they're trying to get you to click on their stuff. And it's really, I'm sorry, it's gotten old for me, you know? Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's cheap engagement at this point because because engagement was the game. Everybody kind of ran to the game. And yes. so everybody's just trying to get another click, another like, another share. And so it devalues the engagement. It, it devalues your attention because everybody's doing it. And so at this point, we're going towards curation. Now, let me point you back to, you know, just elections time, right? Um, if you ever heard somebody say, oh, do your own research when we went through the pandemic or the elections, do your own research. Well, that sounds amazing, but who can do that level of research? Mm -hmm. And so not only that, but, you know, just a pandemic alone, without getting into the actual topic, there are people on one side and people on the other side, and you don't have enough time to go and investigate both sides. Yeah. And so there's a natural tendency for us for the sake of our brains to rest, to say, okay, who is trustworthy in my life that is curating this for me, that has read a couple of articles, that has watched a couple of, and, and so you start leveraging other people's curation and they create a curation path for you. And so when it comes to, you know, let's say for example, church communications, uh, some people are, are seeing me as a curator for that because I'm talking about the topic. When it yeah. comes to digital churches, people will see you as a curator for them because you're talking about the topic. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only that, so here's what we're building now. Now we're not we're no longer building these um, social networks. We're building circles of trust. Mm -hmm. So you have the ability as a church, as an organization to create a circle of trust that people trust and rely and you know and, and and now what is the topic you can pick you can say hey we want to be a source of trust for people when it comes to hope when it comes to loving your neighbor we want them to see us as a uh, people that that actually do that kind of stuff you know so creating passive curation identifying what's your circle of trust that you're building and then once people are in that what you said is a very good example right so when you hear something, you're being invited into someone's circle of trust because from there you will find other people, you'll find other communities, you'll find other resources within that person's circle, yeah? And yeah. so what's happening is your brain can relax a little bit because you're no longer questioning every single bit. You're like, okay, this person has shown 
you know, some reliability for me, for whatever reason, there's some trust there. And so your brain can relax. And remember this transition is happening because our brains are simply exhausted. We have absolutely no chance to catch up on the amount of information out there, the amount of attention that is being demanded from us. Uh, and so whether we want it or not, our brains are going to take us there. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say to the church communicator who is balancing the, the curation with the pressure for engagement, like where they're, they're, the people maybe who don't know this transition is happening, like yeah. maybe the senior pastor or the creative director who's saying, we need more likes, we need more comments, <laughs> we need, you need to yeah. do silly stuff, you need to, what would you say to that person who's really balancing, is kind of in the middle of that time? Yeah, you know, I, we've heard it being said this way. People will say that uh, those are vanity metrics. And I do believe it's important for us to look and count and see what's happening. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not suggesting you don't have any metrics. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm saying is I would rather say, hey, can we identify as a church, what is the path that we're bringing people through? What is the transformation that we're bringing people through? And then align your channels to do that. And so- if social media is being used for the sake of communicating the language that you have internally, the vision that you have for your church, it really doesn't matter how many shares and likes you have, because those are just going to be, like I said, you know, maybe an indicator, but not the whole um, the whole thing you need to pay attention to. Uh, my goal is to, to get to the foundations. And I feel like sometimes, and this is the most important part, is that we're just repeating what we see other people doing without knowing why it's being done that way. And so imagine churches are now doing the things that other bigger churches or organizations were doing maybe five, six, seven years ago, 10 years ago. And you're already like, yeah, it worked. But back then, you know, you're doing something that you're probably five years behind. Uh, and uh, instead of just replicating without knowing what's the concept behind it, um, I think there's more value in understanding who you are as a church. What are you curating for people? What are you creating? What are you inviting them into? And then build from there. It will be far more valuable. You know, th this is great because this is actually really encouraging to me because uh, I would say about a year or so ago, I actually made a switch with our church mm -hmm. and saying, we're not going to use social media as the we're not going to do wild and crazy stuff. Our church culture has actually changed. And yes, yeah. We, we like to have fun. We like to break down walls, but we used to be a, a fun church, you know, kind of deal, like get, yeah. get people laughing all the time. And so our social channels would have been more of fun stuff, silly stuff that we're doing. And there's a tendency still for our church, uh, people in our church to say, you need to be doing this, or do you, you need to be jumping on this funny trend that they're doing or this thing. Yeah. And what I made the shift of is we really went, more for discipleship. Our church as a whole during COVID went and said, we need to be ministering to our people every mm -hmm. single day. And so I made the switch. So we're That's not funny. as funny. Sometimes we'll be funny and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But what I'm trying to do is encourage people in their faith. So, so exactly what you said, so that we're becoming yeah. a trusted source for people to grow in their faith. And exactly. while, while we may not be getting these huge spikes in engagement and likes and we actually, we have grown in our social platforms by sticking true to what we are as a church and not trying to be distracted by other, other influences. Yeah. And that's an, that's a very important uh, distinction, uh, Tom, because, you know, 
imagine being the funny church that all the other churches are following and all, you know, people are liking and sharing and whatever, but then nothing is happening from a transformation standpoint. Um, you just became viral and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, and so I would rather you go back to the roots of who you are as a church, the DNA, like what's that heartbeat. And so I feel like spending some time understanding your heartbeat as a church um, is definitely far more important than anything else that you can just copy from somebody else. I call those hand-me-downs. Like when you put a, you know, some clothes on, they're not yours. They just, they just feel kind of like, oh, not really my fit or, you know, that's basically how they fit. Uh, and, and imagine, like you said, you want people to come to social media and then come in person and see exactly like it, for the experience to be similar, yeah. to not be something completely different. So if the focus is discipleship, once you come in, and this works for digital churches as well, because you only have a, a, a digital expression, right? And so you want everything to sound and feel and look like you in every aspect of, of what you're creating. Um, I, I, I know that when I think of curation, when I think of churches, uh, what I think is going to happen is that people will be a lot more relaxed with creating content for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's awesome. This is actually very encouraging for me. And I think <laughs> it's going to be encouraging for others. What, what else, how else would you encourage us to proceed as we enter into this new era? Yeah. So I think we're already there. And that's the point that I, that I would love for us to start talking more about is that I believe we're there already. Um, we just may have not put a name to it yet, you know, and maybe there's an expert that still needs to say it out loud before it gets more popular. But, um, here's the preparation. Uh, it, it really goes down to two things. One is who you are on the inside, like what's your identity as a church? Um, we, we put churches through a deep discovery process. Like it's, it's a solid, at least three meetings where we ask a bunch of questions, brainstorming questions. We go to, to the core of who we are as a church, like asking questions that you may have never asked yourselves. We bring the leadership together. We make sure that it's, it's done as a team and not as just one individual. It is a journey. So when you ask questions about yourself, about your church, about your DNA, about your heartbeat, you're going to see where you are aligned and where you are of alignment, uh, you know, because you have to answer the same questions together. And so you find alignment, you find unity within the church in, as far as direction, where you guys are going, vision, and all of that. And I'm not talking about vision and mission statements. Those are great, but they just, you know, you write them down and that's it. We want to bring it to execution. So you identify who you are. That's a big piece. Like what is, if your church were to start a movement, what is that movement that you're starting? Yeah. Like if you can capture that, what is the movement that your church is starting? And then you create your circle of trust. Like how can I bring people through this? Because I can tell you, we've done just churches alone, about 90 churches that we've put through this process of deep discovery. 90, nine, zero. So I've seen it all. And I can tell you, there's not two churches. They're the same. There's always something super, super unique and super beautiful inside each one of them. And so what I have found is like all of them don't really know how to communicate or they're like, ah, you know, trying some things out. But once you capture and you show them, hey, this is what this is who you are. This is what I see on the inside. It They start living it out. It's It's like it's natural because now there's a label to it. Like they've been able to name it. Um, and so it's really easy for you to build your circle of trust and the path of curation once you know what it is that you stand for. So a couple of examples. So we have, uh, we have one church, uh, that, uh, basically their movement is to bring people from longing to belonging. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. 
Yeah. So that's their movement. They're starting a movement where they're just bringing people from longing to belonging. What are you going to do on social media? Focus on bringing people to belonging. What are you going to do in your newsletter? Bring people to belonging. What are you going to do in your message, in your worship? That's it. You focus on that one transformation that you're trying. And now all of this through the gospel, all of this because of the gospel. So the message behind doesn't change, but there's a specific way that you've been designed, like very beautiful design that God has given to your church to execute the mission. Um, you know, and, and I go into different churches and it's different. They all have a different way of expressing the exact same message and they're all needed. You have know? you, have you found that now that we're kind of post COVID a little bit, that more churches are asking these questions, like, who are we really? A hundred percent. I think that was a big shift, actually. I think, I feel, <laughs> I think it happened individually. We're all kind of wondering, like, who am I, you know, like after this whole thing, uh, but it happened at an organizational level very, very deeply. Uh, and so a lot of transition happens. And so, uh, Tom, people come to us when there's some sort of a transition. So either they're growing too fast, they're declining, they're merging, a pastor left, a new pastor came. So there's something that kind of shook the boat a little bit. And sometimes it's a positive thing, not doesn't have to be negative, but something changed. And now they're like, uh, we don't really know who we are, how we're going to get, what's our voice, what's our message. Those are the things we hear often. And uh, yes, 100%, especially this year, we've seen a huge increase in churches that are using the exact same expression. Like we really don't know how to communicate our message or we don't know our voice. We don't know our heartbeat. Um, yeah, that has been, it, it's fascinating to me. So, and that's why you need people like Barbara to come <laughs> alongside of you. Exactly. Right. So Barbara, this has been fantastic. And I love this idea of this, the age of curation we're in. And I agree. I think we're, we're there, or if we're not there fully, we're, we've made the shift. Um, and so I, I think we're there and I think this is fascinating. I think churches have to be about this yes. and, and get away from that. I get me as many eyeballs as possible and whatnot, but how, how would someone connect with you? Like what, if they're interested in learning more about this and actually even talking to you and your company, uh, how, how would they connect with you? Yeah. So the, the agency is called word revolution. So wordrevolution.com is the, is the website. Uh, my, my email is Barbara at wordrevolution.com. It's not world. Some people will type it incorrectly. And one day we'll have a word revolution maybe, but it's word. So like the word of God, W O R D. So wordrevolution.com. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm fairly active on Facebook. I have a group there for all of the accidental church communicators <laughs> out there. Um, and, uh, we have a conference coming up in, in October. So October three to five, um, will be our conference for church communicators. Uh, and that's it. This is what I do. I love getting to the heartbeat of churches. I love digging deep and seeing what's on the inside, um, and bring it up to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to have links for all her stuff. So just, if you look <laughs> in the show notes, I'll have links, but it, tell me, talk to me real quick about accidental church communicators. I love that yeah. when you start of the group talk to me about the group but then also talk to me about the conference what can people expect at the conference give us a little tease on that okay okay here we go so on the on the group side of things uh my focus is not as much on tactics although we're there to answer tactical questions it's more about creating a different way of thinking like i want people to come in as accidental church communicators and leave 
as a, you know, like confident communicators in their church. So have the ability to think for themselves and create uh, um, communication plans for themselves. And so uh, I find more value in helping you understand your church than just giving you a tactic that would for, that worked for my my church. Um, so that's that's kind of what I try to do is really encourage them to uh, to live out who they are uh, as a church. And then on the conference side of things, uh, we're we, we're doing a couple of things very differently. So it's not going to be in a church. Uh, last year we met in the metaverse and we met in a barn. And this year we're meeting in an art gallery. So I actually want to get the person and bring them outside of the church building um, because if nothing else, if you, if you get out of your building and you go into the first Baptist for exponential, you're going to start looking at their signage and their brochures and how they have their rooms laid out and how they have the worship and the cameras. And, the, and I don't want you to do any of that. I want you to be in a place that is completely, you know, nothing like a church so you can think differently. So we have an Imagineer from Disney that will be leading first day. Uh, we're going to be doing like brainstorming sessions. He's actually going to going to train us on how to brainstorm. So I know like most people think, okay, communications conference, we're going to learn about Facebook and websites. No, not on this one. <laughs> Here, we're going to teach you to think and to think critically and to understand your church deep uh, so that you can build whatever you want in a way that makes sense to you and your community and your church. So the conference is designed for, um, foundational stuff and strategic stuff and really get to the core of who you are as a church more than a tactical conference. Yeah, I was so fascinated with your conferences last year. I wish I could have attended. The <laughs> metaverse one sounded so awesome. And so yes, it was uh, great. Yeah. So I love it. And I love your heart for communications. I love your heart for the church. Uh you're fantastic. So one is if you're a church communicator, you want to connect with Barbara, she's really encouraging. But also, too, if you're listening to this in your church and you're kind of finding yourself in this weird flux right now, yes. you want to talk with her as well. She is brilliant and her company's awesome. So I can attest to that. So um, definitely check with her. Click all the links on the show notes. I'll have them uh, for you to do that. Barbara, it was great Thank having you. you on the podcast. Same here. Same here, John. Tom, always a good conversation. And uh, who knows where we're going to meet next. So. All right. So what did you think? What stood out to you? Um, what was the first time you ever heard of the internet? Or when was the first time? Again, I'm a little bit older. Uh, so again, I really remember that time. You may have just grown up in it and the internet's always been a part of your life. But what was that like for you? I would love to hear your thoughts. I want to put it in the comment section below, or you can hit me up on Twitter at TA Pounder. I would love to hear when you first heard about the internet and what you thought of it uh, initially. And I would also love to hear your first social media network. What was it? Are you still on it? How do you like it today? Again, definitely put it in the comment section below, or you can hit me up on Twitter. Again, TA Pounder by Twitter handle. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I would also love to hear your thoughts on moving into this age of curation. What does it look like for you and your church today? And what are you doing to move from engagement to curation today? Again, uh, hit me up on Twitter, at TA Pounder. I would love to talk to you more about that. All right, Heroes, well, thanks so much for being with me today. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to it. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple, Google, all the different platforms. Go to it, subscribe to it, and you can get these whenever they come out. All right, Heroes, well, I hope you have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. And until next time, have a great one.